Oh my goodness, you'll never guess who I'm here with. <laughs> this man is the other me. How am He's I the, the other you? You're the host of the Eden Gathering podcast. Oh, right. Live. Live host, yeah. People don't think we're the same, do we? People know I don't do the live one. Uh, yeah, I think so. People that are there, obviously. Yeah. But people that listen, do you know yeah. that I don't host the Eden Gathering podcast alone? This man is the other voice. I'm I'm your other half. I'm your well, not not in that sense. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> mate, I haven't seen you. I am I well, am I am the, the the shadow. We haven't had you. I'm, you're I'm Peter Pan. You're my shadow. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, there you go. Perfect. Maybe a perfect analogy. Class upper class girl can stitch us back together. Or maybe I'm your Tinkerbell. Oh, I like that. You're Peter Pan. I'm your Tinkerbell. Uh, yeah, Peter Pan's a bit arrogant though, isn't he? He is a bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit arrogant. He yeah. should, he should really, you know. But I would be arrogant if I could fly notch, you know. and didn't look old. Yeah, and also, I mean, Hook is a great film and look good in tights. So. Have you seen yeah. Hook? Yeah, I've seen Hook, but probably not since nineteen ninety nine. I love that film. My oh. school is actually doing uh, Peter Pan production for last school. Oh, that's I, so cool! What, I hope they full, adapt Hook. Full harnesses. <laughs> Oh, like full knows? flying Peter. Who knows? It'd be interesting. Yeah, like whether they're going to do. Yeah, harnesses. I think not. we should like keep saying Peter and see like how we can transition it. Peter, because that'll be really hard for Alex to edit that sound. Oh, Peter, because Peter peas will be too harsh. Oh, okay. So maybe you just need to soften your peas then. Yeah, well, he's put this little spongy thing on the end of the microphone. You okay. see. Um, but anyway, I haven't seen you. Yeah. Well, we haven't heard you. Yeah. Since I think seven rules. 12 rules for, for life. 12 rules yeah. for An life. Antidote to chaos and you said by something Jordan B. Peterson, yeah. About kids skateboarding. Yeah, I thought you'd bring that up. Uh, but How's I mean, that going? How are the rules in was, your life going? Well, it's interesting because like, I, I don't think I really applied them, so to speak. I, oh, I think dear. I, I found them very informative, but I didn't, I didn't go like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I think, if anything, and I hope people found this when I did, you know... Um, that I mean, that review. must have been like over a year ago. Yeah, now. we didn't. We did it in the um, room over there, didn't we? Yeah, we, we did. didn't have the current setup we have now, and it was um, yeah, it was kind of in the infancy of this podcast. Yeah, it, it was. was. It was probably it was, one of the first recordings I think it was like, we did actually, like episode six or seven. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We have to like, well, go back and check. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a good, good, good exercise for you <laughs> listeners to go back and, and see which episode I was on last. But, but you haven't changed that much. No, not really. Um, I feel like you you're taking. A, Bit more care of your beard nowadays. Yeah, I think a year effort? ago I had the the kind of the epic the full Gandalf beard. Yeah, yeah, and now I've kind of trimmed it back to a respectable kind of young Do you get in young for Gandalf. That for work? Do, Do I? To, no, like I don't. To. No, no. I'm. I think beards are like very commonplace now in in the workplace. Mm. You know, I think it's quite. I mean, like you have to. You know, I try and look after it, and I don't let it get too long. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you moved house since we last spoke. Yeah, yeah. I, I neighbours are cheering now, aren't you? Uh, no, not quite. No. <laughs> um, although actually, somebody I work with lives next door to him. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So like, you can literally look over the the hedge and you can see his back garden and things. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Well, you have to give me his details because I want to stalk Ed cheering. Well, I mean, you've already met him though, so yeah. surely you. I mean, knowing you, you probably you probably, though, you probably already stole his mobile phone number or something, <laughs> or asked or asked all his friends for it. So no. Um, 
But no, I, I used to live in Rendlesham, which was a bit too far out for me. Um, and Rendlesham, for those people who are not local to Suffolk, is the other side of the... Eight, like, I'm just imagining people yeah, getting yeah. Google Maps Rendlesham. out now. It's, uh, Rendlesham but, is where the aliens are. Yeah, basically, there's an, there used to be an American uh, Air Force base. Uh, well, there still is. It's but, the most UFO sightings uh, in the I UK don't know. or something? I mean... Whatever. I mean, like people joked about it. I I lived there for a whole year, and never saw anything. So, you know, except maybe the occasional squashed hedgehog or something on the way back in the winter Rest night. In you peace. Know. I know. Hedgehogs. I do feel I, I I get really yeah emotional when I see yeah any roadkill really. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, so, but it's it's like forty five minutes away from where we are now. Uh, yes, yeah, no, it's, it's probably like an hour from here, Rendlesham. Wow. And I now live in Framlingham again, which is great because I love Fram. I love the community and a lot of my colleagues kind of, you know, uh, that sounds so formal. A lot of my work, yeah, yeah. workmates, um, live, you know, in Fram. And so I, I often it's kind like, of close you know, to Debenham as well, where you go to yeah, church. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. And still going to, uh, Forge in Debenham and, uh, and it's been three years now, I think. Yeah. Three nice. years, because you've been here at like, what is it, like now coming up to two years? Two, it's been is it two been years. T- yeah, 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 two and a half. Yeah, because I remember seeing you play for your like audition. All right. And I just remember thinking, this guy's got it. Like he's, oh. he's, he's going to, sm- like not that, and whoever the other lady was who auditioned, like you did a great job too, if you're listening. Um, but I could, there's something, <laughs> there's something that I noticed um and I think everybody noticed um, when you played is that there was just this real immediate connection between oh. you and the and the congregation. So kind. But you've also like you've also grown massively as know, a I leader. Felt a bit of, white. Uh, I was <laughs> not at all. No, in fact, I'd say the the opposite is oh. true. Um, You're gonna have to stop being so kind. I know. To me, well, I, it's just I think we don't like I said we don't see each other that often. So mm. any chance, you know, I just want to make I you feel good. That a lot. But you know you've you've done the you've done the um, the elevate and uh, not the um, what is it called the uh, this is not very good that I've forgotten it the um, the, the live worship event that you do the the uh, encounters the encounters yeah. sorry the encounters and you know I've I loved what you've done 17th with those seventeenth of November is the next one seventeenth of November nice. yeah Thurston Community College yeah I think it's called right and is that is that is where the Thurston yeah, so that's church where meets Thurston now yeah. congregation meets so, so yeah Get and on then down. Am I and then to also plug you my own stuff on the Eden podcast. Yeah, yeah. And also, go you... to Eden first. If you're going to go to one thing, go yeah. to Eden. Yeah. But you know, if you're free. But Encounters <laughs> is really interesting because I I remember being at the one that you did in Eden Market because I yeah. couldn't make the the last one that you did mm. in the church. I can't yeah. remember where that was. But I remember seeing loads of people there who I'd never seen in church before. Yeah. And I just thought, like, what on earth are like so encounters doing really here? Because like yeah. it's such a it's such an overtly Christian experience. Yeah. So, so as a church, it's really odd. So just for people that don't know, as a church, um, we really try and cater for people that aren't used to going to church. Um, mm. So the language that we use, um, the stuff that we do, we are there to make it as easy as possible for unchurched mm. people to be a part of our community. But when it comes to encounter, we say, so encounter is just a worship night. Mm. It's a song. It's time to worship God through mm. song. We don't use, we're not careful with our language specifically. We would sing songs that we wouldn't sing on a mm. Sunday because some of the language is a bit confusing. But for some reason, people really connect with it in a similar way to Sundays. Mm. Um, so yeah, you often see people inviting their friends to that and we think, oh, yeah. you know, this isn't us being our 
uh, with our kind of church friendly language on this is mm. this is us with our insider yeah. language on and we love people being there yeah and um, from all different backgrounds and um but yeah it's just funny that it's that's not the purpose of the night but it really kind of scratches a niche mm. there for some reason totally and and i, I so i think you've done um, a, a great job with all that because it's so vile that that people find that expression for their faith in in the music and all the new music you've been playing as well, like all the videos you've done. And, uh, you know, I've, I've just, I've, uh, that's for me been a massive part of why I think I've still continued to come to the forge, you know, yeah. um, obviously the message is always going to be vital to me, you know, yeah, cause yeah. it's all about God and it's all about the word of God in particular. And for me, I love studying, you know, the word of God, which I think like people will probably glint at mm. from, from the book review that, you know, I'm going to do later. Um, but, uh, you know, the music is really important as well. It's it's the way yeah. that I can deal with emotions, sometimes emotions that I don't know I have boiled yeah. up inside me and let it out in a way that's safe and healthy. For some reason, you know? like for me, that's, I mean, this is not what we're talking about. No, but, but I, I, also, I think, like, I think that for me, that's why like, wor- let's call it worship. Yeah. Hopefully people know what I mean by worship. By that, I mean the songs that we sing on Sunday. Mm. That's not what worship means, but that's what I'm talking about. Mm. It kind of marries the transformational side of who God is through his Mm. Holy Spirit and marries that with our emotion. Yeah. And it creates something Mm. that is transformative, Mm. therapeutic, but also God glorifying. Mm. Totally. And it's like scripture attention as well. Mm. So like it's this beautiful marriage of like emotion, Mm. transformation, Mm. but also learning and spiritual practice and spiritual retention and scripture retention um, that you can then apply. Like I'll way, like I'll remember scripture through song before I remember it. Someone speaking to me about it twice on a Mm. Sunday because I listen to, well, I listen to talk more than twice actually because I edit it for podcasts and talks and that, but it's just, yeah, that's why I love it. It's really special to me. Totally. So I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I get to do. It's yeah, thanks for the encouragement. No, man, I, th- I think it's really important to say, and, you know, and also like the pod and everything. I'd like, you know, I listen when I can and you do a great job. Oh. And so I just thought I would take this opportunity oh, so to just, you know, give you, you know, uh, big props for all that you're doing thanks, and that mate. you will do and that you've done as well. Thanks, so. mate. Well, let's talk about you. Okay. We didn't do your life story I mean, we are today. here to talk about me, not we you. We are. So. Your whole life. Exactly. On a podcast. Right, okay. So, firstly, yeah. full name. My na- my full name is Stefan James Chandler. Nice. It's not very exciting, Like is Chandler, it? like Chandler Bing. Yeah. Nice. Well, actually, no. <laughs> actually, okay. Uh, but, like, that's the I way it's I thought it was more like a it's Chandler, spelled. like a Chandler... Like you've just gone like Chandler. I thought it was a Chandler. Well, it's you Chandler. see, if, if I was if I was from up north, yeah, um, they would say Chandler. Yeah. Um, but I'm from south, from down south. I I've actually lived for a long time in Kent, and right. I I always was brought up with a, a southern accent, so I just say Chandler. Yeah. Um, so I sounds a bit posh, I suppose, but um. Um, Chandler. Um, but um, actually the name, if I remember the um, the origins of it correctly, is there's a, such a thing as a, um, uh, a chandelier, uh, which is obviously a chandelier. 
Um, and uh, but the, the trade, uh, a chandelier is somebody who uh, would make uh, candlesticks uh, for said nice. uh, uh, chandeliers. But also, apparently, there's such a thing as a ship's chandler as well. Yeah. And he was basically um, the person who would you would go to to requisition things that you needed on the ship. Right. So that's kind of where some of it comes from so as well. So is, I think... I think. And is that an English name? You, no, I think it's you've French. You've got some Hungarian blood yeah, in you, so, is it? Yeah, so it's, I think... My, I've spoken... My dad's a doctor of history and he's 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 obviously really into like family history and things like that. And uh, he's done a lot of research into it and he um, has said that... And I, I, if my dad's listening to this, I apologise for <laughs> getting his research wrong, but he told me that essentially our family... Um, came over during uh, the uh, persecution of the Protestants mm. um, in Catholic France and uh, they were known as the Huguenots. Um, and, uh, and so the, f- the name is French. Probably it was at some point like Chandelier or something like that or something similar. Um, and it changed to Chandler. Um, mm. And um, so in that uh, respect, um, I forget the question, but the, <laughs> but I think well, sorry, what was I, was, your I was asking because you've got Hungarian, yeah. So, blood, so it's family. A, it's, I think it's a French name, um, but in terms of my Hungarian heritage, my mother is Hungarian. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, but my dad's British, just to make that so clear. So, what was your upbringing like? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Like um, for those that don't know, like I was born in a city in Ketchkemit, um, which is uh, about an hour south of Budapest. Um, and it's, I think, like Hungary's eighth largest city. Um, and I was born in 1991. And my parents met as teachers, um, uh, organising an exchange between uh, their schools. Um, and this was like during the 80s. That's quite where, romantic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I it was, think so. um, And they got, they got engaged soon after meeting. And then, you know, a year later they were married and, and I was born. And, and um, yeah, so basically I... Um, I grew up in in different places in Hungary um, for the first five years of my life, um, and I was brought up with two languages. So, mum would speak to me in Hungarian, and my dad would speak to me in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would then you held of, on to that. Yeah, like um, I still speak Hungarian. It's not perfect. It's a bit broken, um, but um, my family now live there and have uh, been living there for now the past eight years. Um, and I um, go back every every sort of holiday, school holiday, to be with them. So I still have that, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it, it is. I mean, it's where my passion for languages came from, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you moved over here when you were five? Yeah, so I moved over when I was five. Uh, my dad, um, he is a uh, teacher of um, history. Um, he has at different times taught other subjects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, um, for some significant portion of my life also a boarding house master as well mm-hmm. so we would often move wherever he got different jobs and um so i you know we we spent a fair chunk of time in um north somerset uh sort of near bristol um i went to an independent uh international school but you didn't get that accent uh, no, I didn't. No, I'm really, really annoyed I didn't because I think people who come from, you know, Western England have a brilliant accent. And, uh, you know, okay. I think, you know. I'm not sure we share that opinion. So well, I think that, I think. So guys, but. 
Well, I think when Russell Howard tells jokes in that kind of, you know, Bristolian accent, I think it's brilliant. I, yeah, I think it's true. so funny. Um, so I'd love to have the accent. And I think Bristol's an amazing city as well. Yeah. Like it's just so vibrant and interesting and yeah. yeah, so much to see and do there. I'd love to go back actually sometime soon if I get the chance. Um, but in any case, I kind of grew up in this, in this uh, interestingly, it was actually a Quaker school as well. Okay. Um, now, for people who don't know much about the Christian faith, uh, the Quakers um, were a sort of uh, denomination, our denomination of, of Christians who um, uh, I think uh, kind of rose in in kind of um, prominence uh, during, oh gosh, my history is going to fail me, but basically rose in prominence, you know, um, hundreds of years ago um i would say probably around 17th century england as hopefully please don't fact check me i don't but look it up on google you'll be able to find out more but they were kind of um they had very different thoughts on christianity and about um you know about some of the sort of theology um of uh christianity and and they were pacifists as well mm. um and so uh the school had a very interesting ethos built into it and um because it was an international school as well we had lots of different people from different backgrounds and yeah. being my dad being a house a boarding house master we lived on campus oh wow so i would run around and you know kind of annoy the older students who were basically hanging out you know in in the common room and the dorms and things like that and I was kind of you know at a very early age I had an appreciation for difference um, both in terms of uh, difference of language difference of culture difference of uh, nationality difference of views of opinions on things Mm -hmm. Um, and in terms of like my appreciation for like pop culture and things like that which Mm. You know, I'm a massive like comic book fan and I love TV and cinema and video games and all that sort of stuff. That very much came from those years where I would often, you know, um, be exposed to lots of different types of uh, media. And uh, and so I, I and that was a hugely formative time in my life. I spent seven, I think it was seven years there. Um, so they had like a primary school, and then I moved up to. Was that uh, like high the best thing in the world, or the worst thing in the world? Like being around your mates all the time, or was it like, oh, my dad's a lot, <laughs> like an enemy of a lot of people? You know, like as teachers are. It's, it's funny because I I never really remember ever having too much of a conversation with my mates about my dad like I Mm. think you know they knew that obviously he was a teacher at the school and but because he was a teacher you know predominantly of of the you know um upper sort of years in the school I never really found that many of my friends ever kind of interacted with him and so they didn't really get um, much of a they didn't really have much of an opinion um I think it was it was probably yeah a bit later on when um you know when when I was maybe about 11 or 12 that maybe I took more of an well I was maybe yeah about 11 I think I sort of became more aware of it I think for me like my dad being a boarding housemaster like you know he would have his role in the evening yeah. and he would have to have you know those conversations with you know the the boys and everything about you know getting to bed on time and making sure that they were kind of you know doing their homework and looking after themselves and enforcing some sort of order and then I would be running around kind of trying to hang out with the older kids and they'd just be like go away you're you know because you know they they associated me quite rightly with my dad you know so yeah it was was a a happy time yeah it was I mean I think when I was at school um and 
I think at that at that school, I think I had some of the most profound like relationships that I had, you know, in my in my sort of school years. But also, I think I found it quite difficult. I think um, academically, um, I was sort of a little I wouldn't say behind, but I, I felt I felt like I wasn't always um, keeping up with people. I felt especially like in things like maths and um, and certainly sciences and things, I wasn't, I didn't really get it. I didn't, yeah. I, and I felt like the teaching didn't really always support me. Um, yeah. so it was interesting after that, how things changed for me in school. And, um, talk about that probably in a minute, but yeah. just trying to gauge where, so it was Quaker school, but mm. what about your parents? Did they bring you up with an idea of who God was or yeah. atheist yeah. or agnostic or? Oh, no, definitely. Like my dad, um, his family comes from um, uh, from the Midlands, um, roughly around the sort of Nottingham area, um, and uh, he, um, his dad was a Baptist minister. Okay. Um, so my family on my dad's side is, um, you know, very Christian or has been brought up Christian, certainly, um, and so I naturally, therefore, was brought up. Mm. um you know christian and we would go to church um you know i would say semi-regularly i don't think we went every sunday um it depended sometimes on the church that we were going to um but yeah i definitely got my got my faith kind of handed you'd down call to yourself a christian did i call myself a christian then at that early stage i don't think i did no like i just saw church as a thing that we went to on a sunday and that i kind of you know, would sit and listen to people talk mm. about God and sing songs. And then eventually I'd get hustled off to the, you know, to the youth group. Yeah. And then I would ask questions about God and things like that. And, yeah. you know, I remember having a conversation quite vividly about my, with my youth leader about like angels. And I was like, well, why don't they just appear now? And she was like, if an angel appeared right now, you would poo yourself and I'm like <laughs> and I said like I said no I wouldn't I'd be absolutely fine with it and she was absolutely adamant that I didn't know what I, I was you know I, that I couldn't kind of conceptualize what it would mean to have something like an angel just suddenly like pop up in your life you know right in front of you um maybe she was one maybe she was you know who knows you know they, they often do come in you know in disguise so yeah um but so yeah, so devils. that was that was kind of up until the age of about eleven, I think that that sort of strand of my life. Yeah, from about roughly from about seven to eleven. So yeah. yeah, so you didn't have a great relationship with schooling that you felt like you were, yeah, not just, quite there academically. But. Yeah, I just felt like it was. I just I think there's nothing. I, sometimes I think people can be quite uh, quick to kind of assign a label. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I don't think I had, there wasn't anything wrong. I just think sometimes, you know, you find school hard and, yeah. and whether it's the teaching or whether it's um, the curriculum or whatever it is, you just don't maybe make the same level of progress as mm. everyone else. And you kind of get left behind a little bit. And that's Especially not if you're at boarding school, right? I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that that is, um, I assume, I don't know this, but they're above average when it comes to. I mean, you had to pay results. to go there. Yeah. So like, a, I forgot to mention it was a private school as well. And the only reason I could go is because like my dad worked there. So we yeah. got a massive discount obviously on, on me going. So yeah, but um, it was only really after 
I mean, we went, we actually did a year in France, in the south of France, where my dad got another job at an international school where, mm. again, he was a boarding house master, but he was also teaching um, as well. And that was quite a tumultuous time in my life because I was about 12 years old. And yeah. I remember leaving the school that I've already talked about and feeling very emotional as you would, like, because basically it was not only like, leaving your school behind it was like leaving the country behind That's really leaving, tough like the culture like everything yeah like it and and like my brother had just been born like i have a brother called oliver and at that time 12 he was, years age <clears throat> yeah there's 12 years between us so wow. like i was 12 years old so he was like basically i think maybe between six to six months to a year old by that point maybe yeah probably i can't mm. remember but you know that was really tough because we went to went to this beautiful place in in the world. You know, like for people who who don't know, like the south of France is just some of the most idyllic kind oh, of coastline man. that you can imagine. And uh, whereabouts I, in South France? Um, I lived near um, the city of Nice. Oh, um, don't even. Yeah. So I, it was. I lived up in the kind of the mountains. Um, There's like lots of smaller towns yeah. and villages, and I went to a place um, in like an international school not too far from there, and it was just massive. This school and. And I had half my lessons in French and half in English. And that was really tough. Do you know that's one of my favourite places in the world? That really? Is. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, we should go sometime. It'll be great. Yeah, man. I went last you year. You drive. I do the languages. Yeah, you know, sorted. Oh, it's just the most You could busk a little bit, play some music. And I'll, yeah. I'll kind of, you know, I don't know, like hand out flies or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> spread, the, spread the gospel. Spread, spread the gospel. The yeah. south of France. Do you know what? If God, you're going to send me as a missionary... <laughs> send you I will niche. willingly go to the South France. Yeah, it's proper art, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's beautiful, and I and and that time in my life was quite difficult because, although it was so beautiful, and although it was such a lovely place to live, like school was really hard, and like I felt like it kind of compounded a lot of the issues that I'd experienced at the previous school, just academically feeling like I was a bit behind, not really. Mm not really keeping up with everyone yeah not having much self-esteem with regards to like education and just uh, i think you know just feeling a feeling of i was trying really hard but i wasn't maybe achieving as as highly as i would have liked and certainly in maths and physics and things like that trying to do that in french oh, oh it was just like let alone english i mean it was a complete french headache. numbers are so much harder than english numbers. i know it becomes insane <laughs> like if anyone knows like the french way of counting is absolutely insane like after you know, after 60, it just <laughs> like 60, 10. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you know, it's four times 20. And then you do four times 20 and then your teens up no until way. the 90s. And then, yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's bizarre. But um, the bonjour, Germans count bonjour. backwards as well. After 20, they go oh. one and 22 and 20, which Come actually kind of makes a little bit more sense. But yeah. Yeah, je voudrais. Yeah, yeah. Um, J'adore le promenade le <laughs> J'adore promenade so la plage uh, la baguette okay um <laughs> there you um, go so um <laughs> <laughs> you just lost the strand now yeah no I, well i i know lots of french i know like um i'm fluent in del boy french del boy french yeah um everyone's favorite type of french um yeah monge to uh allez en ville allez en ville yeah uh, je m'appelle ben there you go that's um, it that's all you need you're sorted yeah um I'm oh, just thinking about Nice now. I'm thinking about all of that, all of that around there. Yeah, and, you know, Cannes, Can, yeah, Cannes Film and Festival, and Menton, and yeah, and then oh. you've got Monaco just down the just, down the coast as well. Anywhere where you just got Monaco down the road, yeah, is just pretty good. You get a helicopter there from Cannes, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's obviously. To get there. Obviously. How um, else would you do? So, what was next in your life? So, basically, that year, 
was was quite challenging and i think you know for my family it, it just it wasn't it didn't it didn't pan out and yeah. um so my my family decided that we would we'd move back to england and mm. and that was again quite tough because we kind of had to essentially set up life again in mm-hmm. in england and we had to you know find uh, jobs and places you know a place yeah. to live and everything and and to cut a long story short, like I ended up going to this uh, grammar school uh, yeah. in Canterbury and it was fantastic. I loved it. For, for the first time I'd found a school where like I just, I clicked in mm-hmm. and I totally understood everything that was going on. And I got into the school, like if, you know, in grammar schools here in England, you have to take the 11 plus. But because by the time I arrived, I was you know, 13, yeah. I basically just did an interview with teachers and they tested my knowledge of like maths, English and like languages, I think. And like on my English and my languages, I got through because I could speak yeah. not fluently, but I sp- spoke a very high level comparatively yeah. of French to say the other kids in the school. So, so yeah, I ended up kind of getting into that school and yeah, I did my GCSEs there, A-levels, made loads of really good friends, friends that I'm still in contact with today, um, friends that I've seen recently in London, you know, for a bit of a reunion, like 10 years after yeah. you know, leaving. Um, and it was a hugely formative time in my life, both in terms of friendships and in terms of education, but also in terms of faith as well. Um, I saw, I started going to a reformed church uh, in Canterbury. Okay. Um, and that was what really... What did that look like? So it was quite... Tra- it was, in many ways, it's quite traditional. I suppose, like, if you went there now, you'd probably recognise elements of, like, the more evangelical kind of, mm. um, you know, uh, charismatic movement that I suppose maybe, like, Forge and other similar churches now belong yeah. to. Um, but, um, yeah, it's certainly more traditional, Um but it was quite a broad church. So, you know, you would have people who were probably more C of E and then you would have people who, you know, um, were more sort of, even sometimes I remember that there's a couple of people there who had almost like Pentecostal mm. sort of style of, of, of faith, you know, and they would break out into tongues and things like that. Mm. And, you know, and that for them, like the Holy Spirit was, a, you know, a really big factor in their faith. Mm. And, you know, so it was a really interesting church to go to, but they had like, you know, a band, you know, playing yeah. at the front and they would, but they were playing more kind of hymns really than, yeah. than like, you know, kind of Christian pop like rock songs. Did you find that really spoke to you? Like really, you're I think like, this I, is it. There or? was a great youth worker there. His name was Dan. Um, and uh, I forget his surname, which is terrible because he was, he was a really great guy. And he, he did a lot of, um, uh, he did a lot of kind of, kind of outreach work with hmm. youth. Um, and he, um, he was a biker and he kind of had leather jacket and he had like a big white cross on his back and he had a really interesting life. And, you know, he, he led a lot of the youth group stuff. And there was another youth worker called Ung Jong as well, who, um, um uh no i forget sorry that's not that's not correct um i forget a name and it's terrible i'm really sorry um <laughs> I, I yeah no i can't i can't quite recall her name now but in any case um you know there was there was a really great youth support there yeah. for me and i i've met a lot of people of a similar age as well and that um you know really helped me kind of solidify like my faith a little bit more and kind of understand why I believed what I believed yeah. and, and also allowed me to ask questions and to push a little bit more and to kind of, you know, at a time when I'm like 
15, 16, starting mm. to grow my hair out and kind of, you know, get my ears pierced and things like that and start to wear band T-shirts and all that, like try and, you know, figure out like actually, you know, do do I really believe this stuff? And yeah. like, why do you believe, why do people so believe this So had you made, stuff? would you say you'd made a commitment at this point? Well, I actually did get baptised at the church and it was weird. I don't know why exactly I decided in in on reflection no, actually, no, I do remember now. It's come to me. I, I, there was a youth, there was, there was a church weekend away. Mm-hmm. And it was similar to like the stuff that you do with like size, Sizewell Hall and all that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I remember going to that and just, yeah, through the series of kind of, you know, activities that were planned and, and sort of the community of people around, you know, um, on that weekend really kind of growing in my faith. And I, I think I, I was just like running around with my mates outside and just having a good time. And it was just a beautiful day. And like, it sounds silly when I describe it, but like kind of the, the sun was sort of shining over like this lake and it just, it all kind of clicked into place for me. It all just felt right. There was yeah. a real kind of peace and serenity in that place that yeah, I yeah. experienced that made me consider actually like, yeah, maybe this, this whole faith thing is, a, is so is real. it pretty spontaneous I, I mean i think i don't think it was spontaneous in that i don't think it kind of came out of nowhere i think you know that motion rose probably from a series of experiences of you know being at that yeah. church going to the youth group kind of and you know being part of the church you know um in different ways for a while and then it kind of culminated in kind of finally growing in confidence to be able to stand on my own two feet and kind of express my own ideas and thoughts and things Mm. and then eventually I decided to get yeah baptized and and then sadly that's where it all kind of fell apart (laughs) which is very eight I don't know if it's atypical but what happened just life man give us the details just like I started going to sixth form college and um still at the same school because they had their own sixth form there um and you just you just start your priorities change yeah you want to hang out you want to drink you want to um spend time you know um with your mates um making new friendships and relationships and things like that and somewhere along the way church just became that kind of thing that i had sort of outgrown and so it, it wasn't kind of, that one day like i believe this the next day i don't it's just like, it wasn't quite no it wasn't skip a few sundays i didn't i didn't, I didn't get baptized and then immediately it kind of all fell apart like i yeah. remember the 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 um the reverend at the at the church um you know i remember him saying to me like after you get baptized the devil will tempt you he will try and pull you away from your faith mm. and he was right like it, it did happen you know and that was i think just partly um to do with um as i I would probably say some of the musical influences like um and this sounds really trite when i say it but you know at that point i was i was very much into like heavy metal and the kind of imagery and iconography of that kind of genre Mm. and that's almost like a religion unto itself yeah man so it's almost like i converted from christianity to being a metalhead because yeah, no, because is, you had to look a certain and it's way. Dark. You had to you had to prescribe to a certain set of, yeah. of beliefs or almost like a certain set of like codes or values. Um, when you go to gigs, like there's a certain community there, yeah. um, and certain six formers in my you know who were in like year thirteen, you know, I'd go with them to these gigs because by that age I was you know old enough to be trusted to go to like London on the train by myself yeah. and things like that. 
And it just like, it was a world that I hadn't seen before and experienced. Mm. And so church in, you know, nice kind of suburban middle-class Canterbury, you know, as, as great as it was for me during those formative years, it started to lose its appeal. And And I think it it becomes less relevant, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're getting life and, um, from one thing, yeah, like you're going to a metal concert. Yeah. You're with your mates. Yeah. You feel like amazing. Mm. And then church is the opposite of that. Totally. And yeah. It almost becomes the enemy. It it does. It, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not cool to be a Christian in the heavy metal circle, you know, and there are like <laughs> Christian bands in like, um, you know, Christian heavy metal bands, but they often get kind of labeled as like, this is a Christian band and yeah. they're playing heavy metal. And it's, it's kind of almost like f- ridiculous because yeah, yeah. they're playing such heavy aggressive brutal music yeah. and then at the same time they're trying to proclaim the word of christ but you know and i, and I kind of understand understand how that could be perceived as being really silly yeah but actually you know i think you can exist as a heavy metal you know you know yeah, fan absolutely. and also be devout christian like that yes you have to be wary of some of the imagery and some of the kind of yeah you know some of the the messages out there and you need to be able to be able to discern clearly you know between what is perhaps um a good and healthy you know outlet of you know music and and then mm. some music which perhaps you know in terms of its messages um like with tv and film and, yeah, all, yeah. and video games and things like that can be perhaps a, a negative influence um so you have yeah. to practice, you know, some discernment. You can't just kind of, you can't just listen to everything, I think. I mm. think if you do, I think you're kind of trying to have it both ways. Like, I can't see how you could listen to some really dark, depressing and, you know, uh, nigh on satanic music mm. and then still claim to kind of, yeah, definitely. you know, worship Christ. I think it's, it, the two are, are, are at odds with I one another. I can understand that. And but- there's people, I've listened to podcasts where Christians talk about like, being big fans of horror films Mm. and it's like i'm not really sure that's that's the sort of stuff you ideally want to be watching you know and i'm not talking about like a zombie a a fun zombie film which is just ridiculous you know but like the the really dark sinister stuff which is disturbing you know um yeah. In any case, so yeah, I kind of felt that I I didn't really fit in anymore, and I felt that I was being judged a little bit for did, wearing. Did you know, you know the what the stuff I was wearing? Were you aware it was happening? Were you aware that you were slipping away? I think when it what it became clear to me when it was slipping away was when I started to kind of um, not fit the mold any longer uh, as a Christian, and um, I would have those discussions with people about the sort of stuff I was wearing to church and, you know, the way my hair was and, you know, sort of. Talk me through what you looked like during this time of your life. Yeah, basically like I had sort of, you know, kind of shoulder. Well, actually it was probably at that point, it was probably a bit shorter, but eventually by the time I got to uni, it was kind of shoulder length hair. And I had like a different, different styles of kind of facial hair, but I had like, I had two like, um, stretched yeah yeah, earrings as well um and uh yeah i would just wear band t-shirts and you know go to gigs and yeah so that was kind of that was kind of me for a long part of my life when you fell away from church was that 
also with God or were those two quite separate to you or I think did I you fell need away from, one? I don't think I fell away from God. I think I fell away from church. Yeah. I think church just... So you still believe the Sunday. same about God? You just didn't fit into I think, church? I think, to be honest, I stopped thinking about God. I start. Mm. I stopped thinking about how how you know integral he was to my life and I, I kind of ignored him and I think for me church became an excuse not to interact with God because church all I all I felt at that stage was that it didn't f- I didn't fit in and that mm. I wasn't I wasn't kind of adhering to you know what what they expected of me um, and that's perhaps unfair maybe looking back on that time I would probably see things very differently mm. but I think that's what I thought at that time and you know moving forward then when I got to uni you know yeah it everything, just, everything changes you know because then you're you kind of enter into a new world and you're kind of exploring and tr- and trying to figure things out and you're trying to you know, um, find out who you are and trying to mm. find new mates. And where and did you go to uni then? I went to the University of Warwick. Yeah. Mm. yeah University of Warwick. Um, great university. Loved it there. Went there for, well, three years, one year I was out in living in Germany. Um, and I studied German with international relations, um, which was really, really fascinating course. Um, but, you know, university was the place where I was able to finally meet people I could be in bands with. I could play, you know, different instruments. I could, you know, lead bands and I we would, you know, get into, we'd actually play gigs and yeah, we would yeah. get into the band. What were you playing bands. in these bands? I was singing in most of them, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So can you do the full... <sighs> well, I, I probably can't anymore, <sighs> I can't but I, I used to be able to... <sighs> Yeah, that's 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 the one. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly just a, a low wispy growl. I'm angry. Yeah. Well, it wasn't at my parents. Yeah, well, it wasn't quite that. I've never, I'm not really, not, never really been angry at my but parents. In that is, one. Yeah. But in any case, that's what they sing about. Sometimes, not all the yeah. times. It's actually, I mean, you know, like I think all genres of music. If you if you spend the time investigating them, you will yeah. find there is in, increasingly new levels of of depth and in yeah. and kind of complexity I have this to regular to, conversation yeah. with the Johnston family. Yeah. Because um Lewis yeah. and Finn are both like really into yeah. it. And yeah. I'm just like, that just sounds awful. Yeah. And it's so angry. But and then, I say it just to wind them up. Yeah. I mean and then that's the thing, is <laughs> it's, it's like, very easy no, to wind people up. That is just noise. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's I think with all forms of music like all forms of music are just noise to people that don't yeah. necessarily absolutely uh, and i have to tread lightly here because i don't want to say don't understand it but i think don't understand like it. with learning a language once you pick up the vocabulary mm. you know you then can start piecing together yeah. why things mean what they mean and so yeah. the music in that respect like i'm only stirring it, i know you're only stirring but it's actually quite an interesting point that you yeah. stirred and it's like actually and i think it speaks to why people didn't understand it at church yeah. is that they heard it as aggressive yeah noise that was very negative yeah. and at its worst sort of demonic and, yeah. and basically you know and I, I kind of smile as i'm saying this because i just think it's 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 silly really but you know for some people yeah. that is the case you know they yeah, see yeah, it as a, a a negative pervasive you know 
uh, influence, you know, in, in young people's lives. And that's not just, you know, for metal, that's also for other forms of music as well, whether, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, rap or whether that be, um, you know, yeah. uh, any sort of, you know, sort of, um, pop, you know, music yeah. or, or, or rock music or whatever, you know? Um, so, so anyway, I, I went to university of Warwick and yeah, I, I kind of spent, um, a lot of time there. You know, how how are you feeling being away from church, being away from God? I think I just felt like I was done with it. I was, I, I didn't have really any interest in it. Um, a lot of my friends were, your life was going okay. Yeah, it was like a lot of my, you know, friends, like, they weren't Christian and they were perfectly fine. And I, and so I, I, I didn't, I don't recall ever having like debates about God, but I, I certainly would spend a lot of time philosophizing with like my mates. And I say philosophizing, I wasn't really a philosopher, like, but I, I, I knew a lot of my, a lot of my friends were studying philosophy. So I kind of started to talk to them you know, about these things and they would talk to me about them. They would explain what they were studying. And so we would have sometimes quite late night conversations as you do, you know, at uni kind of just staying up into the early hours with a you know a couple of drinks and talking about all sorts of stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh and yeah, and so I, I kind of but I was sort of done. I, I, I saw myself as I think like an agnostic at that point. Yeah. That I didn't I didn't it just wasn't on out. your radar, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, like I just, I didn't rule out that, God, that God existed, yeah. but I wasn't convinced that he did either. And yeah. and so for me, I was, I, I kind of, yeah, I would say like I was happily agnostic for those, for those years. Yeah. And I had everything I needed from the university lifestyle, yeah. you know, kind of provided for me. So I didn't, I didn't, didn't explore much beyond that. So yeah. how did you get back? What brought you back? So it's interesting because. It kind of it kind of did come out of the blue a little bit. Um, I started working um, at uh, a nearby school. Um, so you finish uh, uni, you become a teacher. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there was one transitionary year where I was training to be a teacher back in Canterbury, actually. And there was actually a time when I was finding, yeah, let's. I should probably talk about that. I don't know how we're how we're doing in terms of how long this is going on for, but in any case, like. When I went back to Canterbury after my four years at the University of Warwick, um, by this point, my family had moved back to Hungary um, and I was living by myself um, in rented accommodation. And what I was, was that, What was that like, your family moving away? It was really tough because I think I didn't want them to go. Mm. Um, this was like two years into my university education. Um, but their reasons for going were to be closer to my grandma who needed a lot of help and certainly needs a lot of help right now um, because she's got dementia and um, mm. she can't really see very well and she's very frail. So, and I'm sure lots of people can relate to that, you know, um, with elderly uh, relatives. It must um, have made you feel lonely. I think, I think, yeah, I did, I did go through you know, sometimes where I did feel quite alone. Uh, in my first two years at uni, it didn't affect me too much because I had all my mates around me. The third year when I was living in Germany as a teaching assistant, um, that was tough because mm. I was in a different country. I could speak German, but not always to the level I wanted to, to be able to form friendships and yeah. have full confidence in interacting with people each day. And then, yeah, and then just, you know, not really having family nearby or friends nearby that really 
didn't help either. So, but then that all resolved itself in the final year when I came back and kind of sorted out my degree and, and got to one and felt like I'd accomplished what I had to accomplish. Um, but the year where I, the, the subsequent year, sorry for people listening to this and getting confused about the timeline, but in 2013, tw- yeah, it was 2013, I started my teacher training mm. at Canterbury. Um, and that was really difficult. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but um, when you start to become a teacher, um, there's a very quick uh, inclination in terms of uh, workload and in terms of expectations um, that you have to try and meet. And if you're not aware of it, you get completely knocked on your backside by it. And it, it was... So difficult because you had I had two placements. The first placement I felt really well supported and I felt very well taken care of. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was doing really. I was basically just doing what I was told to do yeah. by other teachers. The second placement, I I I don't think I I'm not gonna say I wasn't supported, but I think the support the level of support was different. And there was much more of an expectation that I had to essentially sort out everything myself. And I had to be able to stand on my own two feet as a teacher and uh-huh. be able to manage difficult situations. And that, and I, I, I had to travel each day about an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. So three hours in total. And I was carpooling because I couldn't drive at that stage. Oof. And it was really rough. Like around this time of the year, you know, you'd be getting back in darkness. You'd be going in darkness in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, just because I would get back at five o'clock, I wouldn't mean that was the end of the day for me i then have lesson planning yeah. you know and that would take me easily up until 10 10 30 sometimes even into the early hours of the next day yeah and i was there was there were days when i would literally wake up having overslept and i would literally i'd have to quickly get dressed grab my things and run literally run to the train station to get a train because i'd missed my car yeah to then get a taxi from the train station to the school. It's cost you it, more than you were earning. It was like, now I think, I think back on it, I just think what a nightmare that yeah. was. But literally there were nights where I'd only get three to four hours of sleep. And I was like, I don't know how I operated. I'm just totally not prepared for it yeah. either. But I, I, it came to a point in February and this is, sorry, I know I've gone on for a long time, but the way, the way it ties back in is that basically in about February of 2014, this must have been, I... I think I probably experienced what was a bit of a mental breakdown. Because if you imagine that I was working at the second placement for about going on maybe about a month by this stage, Mm. you know, things weren't going well. And I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't eating well, I was really stressed. And I think, you know, I was probably depressed as well. Um, And um, I was talking to my mum on the phone and I just, yeah, I remember just basically breaking down and just saying, I can't do this anymore. I've got to come home. You know, I can't, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I can't, I can't succeed at, at this and I'm, I'm going to fail. And it was really tough. And it, and it kind of, it came. What did she say to you? She said like, look, if it's really not going well, just, just come home you know, just leave it, come home and we'll sort it out, you know? And she was very supportive and very understanding. And like, she didn't, she didn't try and like solve the situation there and then for me, but she just listened and understood like Mm. that I was in a bit of pain and that I was finding it very difficult. And actually it was at that point that 
I went back to church for the first time because I was so broken. That same church in Canterbury. Yeah. I was so broken by that point that I essentially thought... I wonder what drew you to that. I just... it's There's something... There's honestly... There's... Like, I think we at the Forge say, say this quite often or it is said quite often that, like, um, you know, that church is, church is a place for broken people. Mm. And it's it's totally true. Like, and I don't mean that in the sense that, like, oh, everybody's completely broken and, like, they, their lives are complete disarray. It's not true. Like, people, you know, who go to church, they've got their issues, you yeah. know. And they don't always wear them on their sleeve. You know, some people are more open with it than others, you know, but it's a place where people come to, to gather and to, and to worship together and to support one another and live in, in unison with one another and to, um, yeah, just do life with each other for a while. And so I wanted that experience again, because I remembered what it was like having that community when I was younger and feeling like maybe there was something Mm in this experience that I was going through that God needed to speak into or that something had to happen. Yeah. I just knew that I, whatever I was doing wasn't working anymore. So something else yeah. outside of me had to change things. And your brain went to church. And yeah. And I just thought I'll go along to church on Sunday because it will give me that place of rest that I'll be able to disconnect from my work, yep. that I won't have to think about the next week. I would just be able to sit and rest in that, in that place and see mm. what it was like. And I remember just breaking down in tears like in the people remember you when you went in some people did yeah Yeah. there were some people i went to school with who were still there and it was really embarrassing because i walked out in tears because like the sermon was all about how how much we need uh jesus in our life and how much you know that we are as individuals are so innately like broken and and we need we need a savior and i just felt like i needed saving at that point Cause I just didn't know how to, I didn't know on my own, off of my own back, how to get myself out of the situation. Yeah. And I just felt like if there was a God, then he needed to help me right then and there. And so the, the emotional outpouring in the service, it was really embarrassing because I was weeping quite loudly. <laughs> I was like sobbing, like, and it was like, it was not the kind of nice, like Hollywood sobbing. It was like, actually like, <laughs> I mean, it was close to that. Snot. Not, not, not quite <laughs> like, not quite like, not quite like blue whale sounds yeah, yeah. that you're doing, but like, but certainly like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. It was painful. And like, it was almost like everything that had built up in me over that year, started to kind of come out and it was it was it was quite unexpected but very good in a way that it did because then I was able to leave that place feeling stronger yeah. I didn't subsequently I don't think go back again but that's because my focus then changed to getting interviews for jobs and I sent off an application randomly for this one school in Framlingham almost completely forgot about it by the end of March and then got an interview. So you've got no ties to this part of the country? Just No, totally no ties whatsoever. It. And um, so I got the interview and I was like, wow, okay, I've got an interview. Right, uh, I best prepare. I prepared, went up uh, again, couldn't drive. So I had to get trains oh, I can't even and everything what be and like taxis and all that. Yeah. It was like a real journey to yeah. get here. A pilgrimage. And yeah, it was. It was in, in a sense, some, some sort of pilgrimage because I, I had to go, I had to take this journey on faith. Yeah. You know, 
because so maybe I, it's exactly I could have, what you need because I was complete... like either this is going to completely break me yeah. or it's going to completely make me yeah so it's like I, and I can't I can't get worse yeah exactly and so it was either like if I don't get this my confidence will not I won't be able to repair my confidence from yeah. this and I'll have to go home um and so I went up, I did the best I could, prepared as thoroughly as I could, took it so seriously that like, even on the interview day, like I was almost too serious. Like yeah, I wouldn't yeah. talk to people unless like I was, it was for the purpose of the interview and things like that. And, you know, the lesson I had to do was like 20 minutes and I had to do it on the weather to year seven French group. And I had to like impress the, you know, the teachers at the back and, and it was just so like tense, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, sunshine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Exactly what I taught them. Uh, <laughs> they still say that to me to this day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I was I was really nervous and it was a really tense time in my life and I, I didn't know what was going to come of it. But I remember getting on the train back and just sort of sitting down and thinking like, oh, I did it and I think I did the best I could and yeah. hopefully I'll get it and we'll see what happens and... But then my phone rings mm -hmm. and I'm like, who's this? And I answer the phone and it's the head, head teacher. And he's like, hi, um, just wanted to say thank you for coming along today. And I'm like, I'm like bracing yeah, for yeah. like, you know, the impact. And then yeah. he's like, and I just want to let you know that you've got the job. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I just like literally remember like jumping up and down on the train. That's and awesome. like, and like it was one of these moments from like the, like a film where like yeah, everyone yeah. stands up and like clapping you. And you're just like yeah, yeah. fist pumping the air. And Rocky like, Balboa at the, yeah, top it, of the top of the stairs. Stairs in Philadelphia. Yeah. Totally. Like, and I was just, it was, it was like a real, yeah, real, Mo like moment I'll never forget. Like it just meant so much to me in that in that point because it was. You like, feel like that was an answer to prayer, or it's just a reassurance know, from God, I, or I can't remember if I prayed. I think, you know, I think prayer for a lot of people is basically that thing where, well, I got to kneel down on the ground, put my mm. hands together, close my eyes, and I've got to pray inwardly or outwardly to God. Um, and there's a certain rhythm to like how you pray and things like that. And mm. I just think, look, God's God. He knows what's on your mind all the time, whether you're on your knees or standing or running, sitting, whatever. Like that, that, that pathway of communication is open all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's biblically true as well that, you know, the, that he, that our father in heaven knows you know, what we want before we even pray. So it's like, whether I prayed or not, doesn't matter. The fact is I knew what I was feeling. Yeah. And people might say like, oh, I'm revising history and kind of, you know, sort of, you know, picking at it in a way to make it look as though God had intervened. I'll tell you now, like at that point, I was ready to go home. I was ready yeah. to just give up. And I remember thinking to myself, I need something to pull me through. Yeah. And I'll do what I can. Yeah. But there's no guarantee that what I'll do will be sufficient. Mm. And I don't know the school. I mean, there's so many question marks. Yeah. There's yeah. So many question marks. I had the probability of me getting that job, I think it realistically had to be pretty low. Yeah. You know? And there was even somebody at the school who was already working there who'd interviewed for the job. Yeah. So, yeah, so pretty. I'm an outsider, yeah. both in geographically, yeah. favor me, also the only male to go for yeah. the job, age wise, out of most people's brackets as well. Yeah. Um, complete unknown. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Smashed so it's him, like mate. I just I I think it was an answer to prayer. Yeah. Whether I prayed actively or not, it but, was an answer, hey, and it was God acting. Maybe it wasn't life. your prayer. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was somebody else. Yeah. Maybe somebody saw me at that day on the church and saw I was yeah. in pain. Exactly. You know? So so you never know, and that's why you've you know people say like you know when you pray coincidences happen. You know when you yeah. don't, they don't. I don't know. But. So um, then you wound up at the forge. Yeah. So I end up at the forge two years after, like basically working at the school um and i um found that after two years like suddenly my job just wasn't fulfilling me in the same mm. way that it had and i think it was just like the honeymoon period was over yeah of kind of committing myself wholly to preparing all my lessons every day every week being completely professional about my job trying to do the best i could mm. and then i just ran out of steam ran out of steam Totally. And I just felt like, I don't know why I'm getting up in the morning anymore. I don't really know why, why, yeah, on, on a, on a deep level, you just start questioning your existence. You're like, yeah. why am I here? What am yeah. I doing this for? Like, who, who am I doing it for? Yeah. Like, it can't be for me because I wouldn't feel this way if mm. that was true. And, you know, I, I love and cherish my job and my profession. I think it's the best job in the world. Like, honestly, I do. I'm not saying just saying that like i genuinely think it has been the absolute forming of who i am as a person and i'm yeah. infinitely better for it you know and i even when it's really tough i wouldn't want to do anything else mm -hmm. because i know this is what i'm made to do but you you asked the question like who who then made me to do it uh, mm. uh, you know and i had a friend um i'm sure she won't mind me kind of um, mentioning her because she's been really instrumental in my life and her husband as well, Anna and John Ducker. And I think, I think you might have a connection to them. I'm not sure. Um, but they, they lead worship at, um, Burlington Baptist church. Um, so it might, there might be a connection there. We'll talk after in case there, there might not be, but I seem to remember there being some, some form of connection, but maybe not. Cool. But in any case, um, she, I knew she was Christian and I asked, you know, her like can i come along to your church on sunday so she was at fram she was at the same school as me okay yeah, yeah. and um yeah and i i um i just asked like yeah can i come along to your church and she was like well actually we're not going to our church this sunday we're going to another church and that was the forge church and so i went along to debenham i remember it was really funny i remember seeing um uh it's basically the same setup we have now, but um, at the time it was um, uh, Duncan uh, leading the, the sermon. Mm. And he just spoke so uh, passionately and he invited everyone, he invited people in the room to stand up who wanted to like commit their life to Christ. Yeah. And I was one of those people. And I remember like telling that to Duncan and just sharing those stories with him and yeah, he was hugely important in, in my kind of, yeah. you know, in my, in my reconversion to Christianity, Correct. but also like Steve Fenning as well. You know, I remember there was a time where I was on the alpha course and I met Steve very quickly on that first Sunday, mm. uh, actually in October, probably around this time. And he said to me, we're doing this alpha course. It's at my parents place do you want to come over you know here's the address and at this point i could drive so i could yeah. get there 
And I remember the first time being so late, I couldn't find the place. Yeah. Like, and I got so horribly lost. And I was like over like half an hour, maybe even lot, like later, like 45 minutes late or something. And I was getting really stressed out. And eventually I managed to call him and, and he kind of told me, yeah, this is where you need to go. And this is, you know, this is where the house is. And eventually I kind of arrived in utter darkness. And I remember him kind of standing outside the drive and kind of waving me in. Yeah. And I kind of, jokingly i thought to myself it's like you know yeah he's wandering in the darkness yeah like honestly come home to papa steve yeah but it was like it was like that for me yeah because it was honestly like you know feeling you know in a kind of dark you know place at that time it was Mm. so important to then enter into that place where you're sitting around the table having food and talking about you know god and and being invited to ask questions and and feeling really good about yourself again and feeling like you were valued and cared for. And yeah. it completely changed my life. So Steve Fenning and, and, and Duncan Banks, like just completely, completely changed my life. And everyone at the forge as well, everyone I've interacted with, you know, over the past three years along the way, you know, um, whether it's, uh, you know, John Edgar, who I started meeting up with, you know, and started doing basically like a book club with on a, you know, one-to-one basis or, um, you know, uh, like whether it's, for example, Chris Pignon, who's essentially like one of my mentors, you know, at the church who I met up with yesterday uh, Mm. to talk through stuff that I've been going through, Um, you know, whether it's you guys here in Eden, you know, um, or, you know, whether it's... uh, I mean, whoever, I mean, Martin Cobbold was massively mm. important in my first kind of few, well, my first year at the Forge. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many names I could go on forever, yeah. but it just, it was such an important turning point in my life and totally changed me for the better. And how is life now then? Life is, life is always up and down, you know? And I think the misconception is that most Christians have, or most people have about Christians as well, is that their life is completely rosy. And it's just not like, and you actually sometimes being a Christian, um, life has been a lot harder than not being a Christian. Mm. And as I say that, I'm so acutely aware that some people are going to go like, well, I'm not going to become a Christian then. But, and that this is, you know, a big but there is actually another side to it. And the side Mm. is, and this is, this is why it's, I think worth investigating Christianity is that you come to know such a deep sense of peace and love and acceptance, not only in the church community that you belong to, but also from your father in heaven. Mm. And you feel something that, you know, I remember my dad telling me when I stopped, stopped going to church, he said, you know, you may go away from church, but there will always be that hole inside you that you would never be able to fill with anything else, you know, and you're always going to ask the question, like, what is that? And it turned out to be Jesus. It did. Honestly, it did because nothing up until that point I had tried had been able to make my, make me feel whole. And then when I started coming to church, I felt whole again. Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult because I feel that, you know, it's very easy to go back to your old ways, to go back to your old life, to kind of lose yourself very, very quickly to the ways of the world and to the way things are going and and to become quite sceptical and quite bitter and resentful um, of God, you know. Mm. Um, 
because things don't happen the way you want them to happen. Yeah. But then that was never promised in the first case. No. And so it's really important to remember that. Yeah. Um, Jesus is the answer, mm. but it doesn't mean that life with life being a Christian is easy. No, it's not. So, and we never sell it as that. No, and that's what I love about the Forge as well is that it's it's very honest mm. about faith and about what faith looks like, mm. and it's not trying to sell the big show, you know, yeah. without actually theological underpinnings, yeah. you know, and like, I love the music. I love the lights. I love the production. I love all that because you want to come to a place where it kind of runs smoothly and feels like you can get your kind of hour of, mm. you know, kind of spiritual input for the day. But at the same time, there's a serious message there about how you can do life better yeah. um, with Jesus and, there is a network around that as well of people who want to be there with you uh, at any time of the week to support you, to help you, um, to pray for you. Um, and I'm not going to sit here as well and say, I've got all the answers to life because no one does. And I don't think any Christian will ever be able to claim that they do um, or any person on the earth for that matter. Um, but, and I, I kind of, I hope that when people listen to this and I, I realize it's a very long story, but I hope that people if they're not, if you're not Christian, I would really invite you just to come along on a Sunday because I was one of those people who wasn't a Christian, um, who didn't identify as a Christian, who was agnostic, not atheist, you know, although I probably at times maybe lean towards atheism. You know, I was that person mm. and there was something in my life that I wasn't contented with and I couldn't fix myself no matter how hard I tried. And when I discovered church, things then changed. Mm. So, you know, I would really encourage, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about, you know, I've always wondered what church is about mm. or what it's like. Or maybe you're somebody, you know, you've had a negative experience of church yeah. like I've had in the past where you've been put off. Yeah. You know, or maybe, you know... Um, you've actually had positive experiences of church, but maybe you've lapsed along yeah. the way and you just think maybe I don't need church. I can do God without church. You know, I would say, give it another go. Yeah. Come back, see what it's about. And you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. You've got nothing <laughs> to lose. Honestly, the most you're going to lose is an hour an of hour. your Sunday. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not going to hold it against you. You know, we'd love for you to to come along and and enjoy the various things that we've got going on. Mm. Um, you know, both here in the Eden community and also more widely within the Forge community. But just come along, and give it a go. Um, and I extend that invitation to everyone. And I hope that as well, the book that we're going to talk about as well, and the next pod, like I hope that will also yeah be helpful to people in a way that they might make them consider Christianity, like Absolutely. I did for the for the. Not first time necessarily, but maybe the second or third time. So. Well, that's a great invitation yeah. to finish us. Mate, yeah. thanks for coming and speaking to us. Yeah, thanks, for man. Thanks sharing. for having me. Um, why don't you tell us about some of the... Do you know what? I'm actually going to go for a wee on air because I'm busting. Why don't you tell us some of the <laughs> amazing things that are coming up at Eden? Tell Alex to play the music and that'll be it for the pod. Okay, cool. Um, so, basically, um, we have... Um, as part of the Eden community, um, these events that we do, 
So if you're not aware of what Eden is about, um, essentially Eden is a kind of a community for 18 to sort of 30 year olds plus roughly, um, commonly called millennials. Um, and we try to uh, create a space um, every month where we can meet and get together and spend time with one another. And we have often like an interview with somebody. So similar to this, um, where we will talk about a certain topic um, and that will also have, um, you know, some free food and um, drink and some music as well. So it's a great place to meet people um, who are asking questions, um, people who are both Christian, non-Christian and otherwise. Um, and the next event that we've got coming up um, is on uh, November the 7th. So it's Thursday, November the 7th at 7pm 7 um, at Costa Coffee in Stone Market. Um, and there are two. So it's the one that's nearest to Asda. So if that helps, um, then um, good. Um, obviously, there is more information um, that you can find out about this event, um, which will be online on our Instagram account, um, which is Eden Gathering, and also um, the Facebook uh, page, which is again, Eden Gathering. Uh, we do have a website as well, uh, which is www.edengathering.co.uk. So if you want to um, go along and see what Eden is about and kind of uh, get a sample for what we uh, are about as a community, you can do that there. Um, and if you come along to the event, I can promise that you're going to meet some really nice, friendly people um, and you're going to hear something interesting. You'll be able to consider, you know, um, Christianity. Um, and in particular, you're going to hear from uh, a wonderful lady called uh, Becky Roberts, um, who is going to talk to, talk to us about how God speaks to us. So if you found this pod interesting uh, and maybe something in my story interesting, that hopefully you'll find that interesting too and i'll be there so i'd love to meet you um if you're listening and um there'll be more information as well at the event so if you're then looking to see what else we do as a community um on a monthly basis um in particular thinking about christmas that's coming up soon um then you'll be able to uh, find out more there so i hope to see you there at the next <sighs> Eden gathering that's better and uh <laughs> thank you again for having me and for being able to share my story i hope it wasn't too boring or too long or... we have been far too long this okay. is the longest ever podcast well but it doesn't mean it's i'm bad. quite happy to hold that title <laughs> um i love you guys and yeah i love spending time with you and thank you for having me play the music <laughs>